Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 7th Avenue Project. I'm Robert Polly, And today on our show... That is crazy. Comedian Maria Bamford questions my grip on reality. When I say crazy, that's terrible. No, no, no need to walk it back. I'm cool with that. I'm proud even, uh, in part because Maria herself has made it okay to talk about one's challenges in the uh, mental health department. Her own bouts of depression, anxiety, OCD, and addiction are a big part of her material, and her mix of candor, compassion, and just being really funny about it all has hit the spot for a lot of people, including me. For years, uh, Maria was a comedian's comedian, known mostly to her colleagues and hardcore comedy geeks. But more recently, she has broken through to a larger audience and gotten a lot of critical acclaim and attention from the media. There was, uh, for instance, the interview she did with Terry Gross on Fresh Air last year, and then just a few months ago, a big profile in the New York Times. And now, as if all that weren't exciting enough, a return engagement on this program. Maria, do you know that you and I spent about an hour and a half in a hotel room once? Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I have done some things in my life that I'm not... Uh, it was an interview. It was an interview. It was, it okay, was, great, great, great. <laughs> I could have strung you out there a little longer and oh, maybe no. gotten oh, some good stories great. out of you. There's, that time is behind me, but I, you know, I did do some things that I'm... Not embarrassed about, but anyways. But what city was this? Was this San Francisco? It was, and it, it ended with you addressing me as though I was your pug, Blossom. Oh, And you blah. used your Blossy voice and told me there was no God. I think that's because she was a minor God, and I think she was holy and um, without blemish. Blossom was a Roman Catholic, and you were like a Lutheran or something, right? No, Episcopalian. Episcopalian, so, yeah. That's what I meant. Now but, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm an atheist because I do so many positive affirmations as if that's going to help uh, change something. Um, I believe in science. If there is a science, uh, and we don't know if there is a science, but if there is a science. <laughs> I wish it would come up with something I could believe in. <laughs> You're reminding me of something you said in your special, special, special. Um, yes. Uh, if there is a science, you wish there was something called a brain ride? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think there is. It's the Maria Bamford show. That's a brain ride. You know, like if you could just completely be inside somebody's experience, which I guess I guess is the closest you can get to is different documentary film or something, but just be observing it like you wouldn't be them you just just see all there i don't have a medical degree but i i'm sure someone will come up with that i don't know if my comedy is enough i think i, I would need more of a high-tech ride to take me out of reality well for the rest of us though your act is like a brain ride i mean you've got all the voices and the voices seem to come from deep inside the brain when I first met you, it was 2008. You had just finished the Maria Bamford show on superdeluxe.com. It was a web series. It was great. And you had a lot of voices and characters there, all confined usually in a small room. <laughs> but but your special, 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 the comedy uh, one-person performance you put on in your living room for your mom and dad that's now available on Netflix, your voices got even quieter and even more sort of like emerging from deep inside. I mean, that was my feeling. So I thought I was taking a brain ride when I saw that. Well, that's great. I'm so grateful, Robert, that 
you felt it sounds like it was uh intense or more intense experience. I was just I was just at the dentist and I have somebody who's a coach of mine as a comedian and the dentist was saying, Well, why do you have a coach so you get to a new level? I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm getting <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. Is that uh, I just want to entertain myself. You know, I just want to keep trying new things. So, well, I am glad that it's somewhat different than the first thing I put out. <laughs> That's all I'm... Oh, God. Is this one of those dentists who, like, tries to engage you in conversation oh. when your mouth is open well, and tools are inside of it? really, in, you know, triggering topics, as they say. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> do I have to talk about how... I have a, a lack of momentum. <laughs> Your dentist asked like, you that? Was, yeah, I was like, where are you performing? Well, I'm at that Chinese restaurant up the street. <laughs> you interested in that? <laughs> oh. Then he'll talk about another comedian who he knows. Oh, they know, yeah. They're doing great. They, oh, yeah, well, they're gosh, really taking they're off. Doing, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I also don't floss enough. I know. <laughs> I know, and my gums are receding, much like my neural pathways grow slack with disuse. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm living on crystal light and fudge and a limited amount of energy. <laughs> uh, when we talked about six years ago, I, I thought you were still kind of an insider's you know, secret. You know, like, a lot of comedians loved your work. You had your fans, um, very discriminating, you know, select group of people. But since then, I mean, things have sort of taken off, haven't they? Oh, yes, yes. Beyond my wildest dreams, I'm sick of myself. <laughs> I feel like, I think I can safely say I may be in the uh, the post-hype where people are like, was it that good? Was I? And then <laughs> hopefully we'll get into the classic stage where everyone goes, it really was. It was that good. <laughs> That's ten, 10 years from now. I, I'm glad to be thought of in any way at all. Things are going off far better. I, I feel very grateful. I feel afraid. That's how grateful I am. <laughs> it, it might be too good to be true. It might all fall apart. Is that the feeling? Well, I mean, isn't that, Robert? Yes. Have you ever had that? Well, see, exactly. I've never been successful enough to have that experience, but I know that if I, if I got there, I would certainly feel that way. Wait a minute. That's not true. You were on a radio show, public radio show, which is a great dream come true for, I would think. I mean, I would think that would be a giant uh, thing. And then you, you know, I'm sure have people, you have a Twitter feed. I saw it. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Yeah. I don't tweet. So, I'm not a tweeter. I really am not. So I'm embarrassed that you even looked at it. But once you have, okay, so then you get you get just one follower and you're pumped. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have 10 followers. And it's like, well, I'm peaking. I can't go any higher than this. <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, I don't know, 75. Then what are you going to do? You know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like. You ride the wave, and you just appreciate what the where the wave is going. You're jazzing the glass, and if you end up, you know, uh, with some sand burn on your belly, and you're up <laughs> on shore, it's okay. You, you took you you took a chance. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> but do you tweet? Do you tweet, Maria? I, I didn't check to see if you do that. <laughs> 
what do I what? Do you tweet? tweet? Do uh, you tweet? Yes, I tweet, but only for information right. purposes. Uh, you know, things about um, shows. <laughs> In case anybody needs to know where I stand on gun control. Oh, that kind that's, of thing. <laughs> that's that, kind of, <laughs> that kind of tweeting. Also, just like where I'm performing and stuff like that. So I am, I, I'm sure uh, I am often, <laughs> you know, because I, I have read people's tweets who are actually entertaining. Yes. And I do tweet if there's low ticket sales where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just start a constant tweet of what's going on in that city besides my show <laughs> and how that might be pretty good too might want to check that out but not but not a constant <laughs> stream of witticisms yeah. every every hour yeah well yes yes it's not it's not um terribly organized um but um yes no i'm i'm, a, I'm grateful for every drop of gravy that has dribbled into my mouth did you actually, um, I, I imagine you did, read the um, New York Times profile that came out a few months ago entitled The Weird, Scary, and Ingenious Brain of Maria Bamford? Yes, I did. And I was so honored. I, I was embarrassed because one of the metaphors she used was uh, hot, a hothouse flower, which is a metaphor I used to describe myself, um, that I am somewhat delicate and in need of uh, certain temperature controls. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the great thing about that is that then everybody knows, you know, it's not some big <laughs> secret when, you know, I am a little sleepy and um, not hustling all the time. So, or not, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. There are reasons I'm not super famous. <laughs> like, my uh, work ethic is uh, less than average not sure how everyone else is doing in the u.s but um i thought it was very very good and very helpful uh, for my career all that jazz and it was also it was very fun the person who interviewed me was a, a wonderful writer sarah corbett hey was that a was that a pug i heard in the background there uh yes the long toenails of a gentleman pug and his dotage <laughs> um Going. Oh, a creaking door. Creaking door. He's trying to head outside. Um, you know what? Let's do that. Bert, why don't you head outside? You interested? Not so much? Okay. So do you have just one at this point? Uh, we have one pug and one chihuahua pug. Mix. What's that? Oh, a mix, a mix. Huh? Mix. So um, her name is Blueberry. It's Bert and Blueberry. So when did you become a pug fancier? I did a calculator online. You have a calculator of what <laughs> animal will be good for you. Answer a series of questions, and then they go, uh, poodle, or my case, pug. Like, what's your activity level? <laughs> what's your, what kind of uh, yeah lifestyle do you have? What's your emotional state? And then it came out pug. <laughs> Yeah, see, my theory would be pug people have a pretty strong mothering instinct because pugs, I think, were bred to look like, you know, babies, right? They are, yeah, but maybe stage mothers, uh, bad mothers. <laughs> like, I I feel like uh, pugs are very, they're very sedentary, so they don't ever grow up. Mine, mine haven't. I haven't really. 
I haven't let them have the dignity to fail in the outside world. <laughs> I haven't put them uh, out into school or anything. Um, I don't know if I have the greatest mothering instinct, but I, I appreciate that idea. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because uh, you used to end the uh, Maria Bamford show, the, the web series that I was talking about a moment ago, Talking to Blossom, uh, yes. your pug at the time. Yes. Dearly departed Blossom, I guess. Dearly departed, yes. And then a couple years later, the Sarah Silverman show started, and she ended by talking to her small dog, not a pug, named Doug. Yeah. And I wanted okay. to, I was like, you're stealing that from Maria. Don't do oh. that. <laughs> oh, my God, no. I think that's like saying, hey, you're stealing the human experience. <laughs> I'm living, too. <laughs> Well, see, that's that's how we fans get, though. Like we like oh, we get no. protective oh, of my. the people we like, you know, even uh. even if they don't give a damn, you know. <laughs> oh my God, no! Uh, and who's to say I didn't steal it from her? I uh, I met that dog. You know, uh, Doug. Doug. Well, I did know Doug. I met him, met him uh, at least once. I know. So, you know, who's to say that I didn't somehow go to the future and yeah. steal her idea? Well, that is. Uh, crazy. When I say crazy, that's terrible. I should use a sort of DSM. No, you can call me crazy five. if you like. Um, well, I should use some sort of diagnosis at the very least. Um, I'm, I'm certain there's someone was before me who talked to their dog, and I, you know, took it from them. Dogs are fun to talk to. They're great yeah. listeners. I wasn't really trying to start a beef there. No, I just, no, sorry, sorry. It's just one of those little things that occurred to me. But, you know, there are comedians who are freaked out by the idea of other comedians, like, taking their material, you know, using one of their jokes. That exists, right? Real I think it exists. Um, it could be laziness. <laughs> but I, I just, yeah, I don't have the energy to. <laughs> and, you know, if it's like a good song, you know, like a... I think it was Monique was on Last Comic Standing, and she said, you know, if I can do that joke better, it's my joke. And, oh. you know, that it's sort of like a song. And I, I can see that. And I think, well, let's say somebody, you know, like, oh, my God, I've developed the exact same idea, which is likely. I mean, if somebody's having the exact same experience that I am as a 40-something upper-middle-class white lady, in Los Angeles, we're going to have probably a lot of the same experiences. We're going to do a lot of shopping. And that's just a challenge for me to develop it more, you know, develop it so it is more specific. Well, I would say to Monique, uh, by the way, just credit the songwriter when you sing their song. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, I do I do appreciate that. I, I, my friend Jackie and I, you know, if we have heckle responses, we both let each other use our heckle responses because sometimes it's like, you're desperate, you're, you're sure. afraid, and I've used her heckle response. That was the one, um, hard to talk over a helicopter convention, or <laughs> I don't know, I can't remember what it was. And she used mine. You know, I have one, um, this is going to be a great first AA share, you know, to people who are asked to leave an audience. I mean, I used to do jokes of other comedians just when I was a kid, like you just tell, you know, you repeat jokes of things you've heard on SNL and stuff. Sure, sure. That's part of the fun of it. It is a song, like a song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about hecklers. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you saw the Joan Rivers documentary, A Piece of yeah. Work, yeah. where she goes off on some guy. I think she's in Vegas, and she's she makes a joke about the perfect child, I think, would be like, 
Helen Keller, you know. Right, right, and, right, right. And, and a guy in the audience said, that's not funny, I have a deaf child. And Joan Rivers got really angry and called him an a-hole, you stupid, stupid man, you don't understand comedy. <laughs> she just went. And, and I, I know a lot of comedians really do get incensed, but I can't imagine you get all that mad if there's a heckler. Uh, no. You know what, though? I have definitely gotten upset before. Like, just uh, two weeks ago, I was at the improv, and some people were having a great time and talking the whole time, like talking. And Orchid over here, I <laughs> have a difficulty concentrating if people are talking, and, you know, it's, it's just harder for me to perform. And that could be ego. Gosh, maybe I should get used to people talking during a show. Uh, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm the entertainer and I should just be more background. Anyways, I, I ended up talking to them and um, they said, oh, well, we're here because we haven't seen each other in 20 years and so we just want to chit-chat with each other. They said, oh, boy, there are conference rooms for that at the Ramada. Uh, you might want to, like, win it. But um, so I have definitely got irritated with people, and I, I didn't ask them to leave, but um, I did tell them it's okay for you to go, because like, sometimes you can't tell if people are talking because they're bored, which could be the case, or if they're talking because, yeah, they haven't seen each other in a long time, and they're just enjoying it, but they've been drinking, and they, I mean, I think comedy clubs, it's very difficult to be an audience member in some ways. Heckling is a natural thing to happen, or talking during a show because they're lit. They are given two mandatory, mostly alcoholic drinks, and the audience is a part of the show. So I understand why heckling happens. There can be this feeling of being trapped, and if you've had something to drink, and you know, you just might express yourself and say, I don't like it, you know. <laughs> but I, I love my mentor uh, is Paul F. Tompkins, who I once saw at a show in Vancouver. Has become mythic in my mind. Huge, drunk crowd, heckling from about three sides. I mean, just really awful kind of heckling, like, you know, you're not, you know, oh, I hate this, whatever. And Paul Tompkins was such a delight. He was a gentleman, and he was like, well, one moment, I will take your comment. And yes, sir, what do you find funny? Well, is there something I could do for you? And like, was just very um, dignified, and and I, I don't know, maybe he was upset afterwards, but it, it was a real example to me just that, yeah, there's no need to take it personally and <laughs> you could still be funny too i mean i don't know i found it so, so funny it was great no that's a that's a brilliant response i don't know if we talked about this uh when we did our interview years ago but i had interviewed a filmmaker who made a documentary called heckler yes yeah and i ended up being that's I right yeah the movie heckler and it was so wonderful and then i i they were still editing it turned out so they asked me to be in it so right, i ended right. up in that movie right so i think uh, i did talk to you about that but the interesting thing about that movie is most of the comedians they depicted went ballistic you know some of them really were just furious you know that people interrupted their act um but you're too midwestern for that you're too much of a nice lady which is one of your well, nicknames right i mean it could be 
Yeah, people pleasing, passive aggressive, fear of <laughs> confrontation. I mean, that's the other way of that's a negative uh, way of saying it. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I guess I just feel like I get you know if I had paid for tickets to something. Now, of course, there is some responsibility. I you know I can YouTube what I'm about to see, so there's that. But if I'm just a little bit confused, out of control, like just had too much to drink on an empty stomach. You know, I, I can understand that, you know, but I also think, yeah, there's a time when people have to leave and try to be pleasant about it and say, um, there's going to be a, a man coming from behind you <laughs> and um, he wants what's best for you as well. And nobody wants us to suffer. Um <laughs> Uh, it's not. Well, actually, it is an intervention. Uh, all of us in the community have gathered together to say about how we feel when you are a real jackass during comedy shows. And uh, I'll go first to say how I feel. <laughs> I feel you should shut up. Anyways, uh, no. so yeah, there's... There's that. And some people are genuinely <laughs> or feel like, I mean, that Heckler movie was great because it did show people going, no, if I think something sucks, I just say it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and I hate it. And it's my job to tell people that they suck. It's like, oh, okay, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, <laughs> this is going to be a horrible juxtaposition. I just read the memoir of the uh, gentleman at Hotel Rwanda. And who uh, saved, uh, I think it was a little under 2,000 people in, in the hotel during the uh, Rwandan genocide. The man who was uh, played by Don Cheadle in the movie. Don, Don Cheadle in the movie. And um, the man himself, uh, whose name I'm going to get, is uh, Paul Rusesabagina. Hmm. And that every... Everybody has a well. His argument, uh, this is talking to generals who had machetes in their hand with blood all over them, just killed a bunch of people. Everybody has a soft side. Everybody has like you ask them about their kids or their, you know, th that nobody is pure pure evil, um, and I mean, <laughs> comedy club, but to. to Put it next to genocide. It's really, oh my goodness, oh my well, goodness. Well, that's part of the thing, isn't it? Isn't it juxtaposing the unexpected and the inappropriate? Yeah, the totally inappropriate. And so, <laughs> like when you get notes back, on this, people saying, "Did she just compare the last factory to uh, uh, <laughs> any of number of?" past or current destruction of millions of people. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I'm sorry about that. So, uh, but I talked to so many comics, like after every show, you, even if somebody says, you suck, I hate you, you suck, you're, you're not funny. After the show, you see that person in the bar and they'll say, I was trying to help. I was just telling you what was going on. Oh, wow. I was helping the show. Oh, wow. Really? I mean, it is bizarre how, you know, people feel like 
they're genuinely helping. Um, like this group of group of people that were talking during the last show. Like I talked to them after the show. I was like, you guys, seriously, that was I found that like a, such a bummer. And they're like, we're big fans. We just we we just we're having we're just having so much fun. And I'm just like, yeah, it's just. Um, Anyways, I'm so sorry for comparing comedy in any way uh, to uh, okay to, to atrocities and atrocities. Uh, human. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, that's what comedy is about. So I don't think you need to apologize, Maria. Okay. Okay. I you well, do. I yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That's what comedy but, is. But that is one of my favorite things about comedy is when comedians come up with. Um, Ways to stop war uh, through comedic things. Like Isaac Witte, this comedian, has this thing where he'd send high school marching bands to war zones because, you know, they're so serious and sincere that everyone would just stop what they're doing. <laughs> like, he does it much better because he can do a high school marching band impersonation. But I think some comedic premises could be viable solutions uh, to world problems <laughs> to world problems um, they, they're very inexpensive one uh, another thing I've heard is dropping porn um, porn in mass or... quantities <laughs> porn not corn right no not corn porn over uh, you know hostile areas <laughs> that everyone would become <laughs> sated somehow uh, anyways, those are certain ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I think I had one where it was, you know, instead of imprisonment, um, if we just <laughs> give somebody a, a humbling job, you know, like a roller rink DJ. And, um, well, it actually ends a great job. So now that I think about it, anyways, apologies to all the roller rink DJs. Yeah, I, out I knew there you were going to apologize for that one. <laughs> yeah. Or humbling job like this job, comedian. That's the job they should take. Has tried to. Uh... <laughs> oh wow, that's an interesting premise for something. <laughs> yeah, have, you mean uh... you mean like? Uh... Oh my god, with the... to get um, Kim Jong. Is it Kim Jong Il? His son. Un is a little guy. Kim Jong Un to open in Laughlin, Nevada, for two weeks. Oh my god, that's a great for idea. For someone bomb. Three shows a night for hundreds. Oh no, of no! You don't want him to bomb gestures. anything. You don't want him to bomb anything. Oh you... no, no, no! But bombing as a <laughs> as a comedic <laughs> premise. Not that he would bomb, but just that he would have the experience of <laughs> going up to silence. So, in which case, maybe it wouldn't be a backfire though. But maybe he would be buoyed by the the laughter and uh, find find a new career. Wow, I, you're making me wonder. You know, Hitler, of course, was a frustrated artist. He, exactly. he wanted to be an artist. And uh, Radovan Karadzic, the bad guy in Bosnia, was a poet. Oh, uh, so I'm wondering if there have been any, like, failed comedians who became, you know, horrible dictators. I think that is perfectly possible. I think that is definitely possible. And that they probably never said that they tried comedy. Because once you said you've tried it, <laughs> it it just opens up a terror. I almost never tell people I'm a comedian on a flight because I it just opens up this can of worms of like, well, so tell me a joke. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it must be really hard. Well, what about this, Maria? You still drop in on, like, 12-step groups? Uh, yes, I mean, they are anonymous, so I, I shouldn't say that I am, but if they're... If those exist, I would. <laughs> but, if I may say okay, that. and so let's keep it hypothetical. And yeah. if you did, <laughs> if you did, people, at least some of them, might well recognize you because not yeah. only are you a well-known comedian, but you're yes. especially well-known for your, you know, subject matter on mental health and recovery and stuff. Yes. So what yes. happens? What would happen hypothetically if you were in one of these um, purported twelve-step programs? And the hypothetical individuals recognized you. I mean, wouldn't that be kind of strange? Or no? No, no. Who cares? Number one, <laughs> they're there too. <laughs> I see them too. So <laughs> who's the weirdo now? Uh, if, uh, oh, guess what? Uh, I know that you're here too. <laughs> like I, I, don't, I don't care. And uh, life is weird anyways. I mean, I think it's just like the same thing if you're... Uh, person in a smaller town where everybody knows each other and it's like oh my god what so-and-so's here oh my god I, I didn't know that they had that problem or whatever and it's like it blows over fairly quickly because people are obsessed with themselves as they should be uh as they should be um, um yeah and it's true and it's also you've 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 made so much um public and you know in a way that's that's great and unashamed and really, I think, um, helpful to a lot of people that you don't have, I would imagine, you don't have a whole lot to to hide, you know, if yeah. you're in a 12-step group. And if you've just tuned in, uh, this is the 7th Avenue Project. I'm Robert Polly, and today I'm talking to the comedian Maria Bamford. Maria has gotten a lot of attention and uh, acclaim in recent years for her honest and psychologically intimate material. It often deals with her own struggles with conditions like OCD and bipolar disorder as in this song from her 2008 web sitcom, The Maria Bamford Show. Maria played all the characters, including herself, and you're going to hear some of their voices and some of their issues. You're not going to remember me telling you this, but you're not alone. Don't be afraid of the dark. There's nothing to fear because we're all terrified. Sink yourself into the dark. Desperation is normal, call a hotline, confide. I have unwanted thought syndrome. A little-known version of obsessive-compulsive disorder that made me avoid all eye contact and especially knife drawers. I've been through treatment for depression. 36 and have no kids I've never been married I have three separate addictions And sometimes I weep uncontrollably For absolutely no reason But I'm staying on my meds and drinking plenty of Diet Coke I'm sort of a lemur I'm kind of a grump I'm afraid of my baby I can't take a dump I shop to numb feelings I can't stand the sun I guess I hate God I don't like to run Don't be afraid of the dark Just call me on one if you wish you were dead Hey, it's alright in the dark Let professionals in 
And now let's get back to today's edition of the 7th Avenue Project. I'm Robert Polly, and I'm talking to the comedian and actor Maria Bamford. Um, this is reminding me of some uh, a comedic project that you had going, I guess, you know, this past summer. And I don't know what became of it, but it's a um, kind of a web-based um, short sitcom called The Program. Program, yeah, we really wanted to do it. My friend Melinda Hill and I, uh, we got some funding from uh, Funny or Die, and we have all the episodes, you know, beat out on little cards uh, about the 12-step program called uh, Debtors Anonymous. And it mostly exists in Los Angeles and New York. It is worldwide. Like they have, I think they have some Spanish-speaking meetings and uh, French. It's, it's a very interesting phenomena because, because it usually exists in or is strongest in areas where there's a very big gap between the very wealthy and the very poor. Uh, and um, Which is everywhere now. Which is everywhere now. And so it's just really interesting just talking about finances and spirituality at the same time. I just think it's so funny. And um, I'm not saying it right, but, you know, just the phenomenon. I mean, this is in Los Angeles, you know, or maybe they do this everywhere. But, um, you know, like, well, I'm just really trying to take care of myself. And I just, you know, I, I was like, okay, if my goddess says, you know, this is okay. I'm going to be able to go into Barney's and buy that tube top. It's it'll be for sale if I'm meant to have it. And I went in there, and it was 25% off. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. You know, I heard the message. You're just like, like the combination of that and that somehow there's a a god taking care of one person uh, or a consumer oriented god. Yeah, a consumer oriented god. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, so... Well, let's play a little bit from uh, one of the episodes of the program. Okay. Uh, I think it's the very first one, where you, playing uh, the leader of this Debtors Anonymous meeting, (gasps) you know, are sort of introducing it, right? And your name is Peace. Yes. So we're going to hear Peace, and we're going to hear another uh, person at this meeting talk. Welcome to the Wednesday night cash cows Hollywood meeting of debtors anonymous. My name is Peace. I'm a compulsive debtor and Hi Peace. Um uh, right now So how's this supposed to work? Is it like AA? Well, for everyone it's different, but for me I have a real problem with working, with will- being willing to work. Isn't that just laziness? I used to think the same thing, but it's a disease. We can answer any questions after the meeting, but welcome. You're not alone anymore. Welcome. You guys, right now is uh, time to go around the room and introduce ourselves and state one thing that we did towards our vision this week. You have 10 seconds. I'll go first. My vision is to own a home in Berlin, to uh, have a purebred llama ranch, and to travel in space on my 50th birthday. To that end, I applied for a part-time flex position at a bead store. That is great. Anybody want to go next? Hi. My name's Mike, and I'm a compulsive debtor. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hi. My vision is to make about $5,000 a week through my local tours, through my cranial sacral massage therapy, my secular speeches, my motivational talkings. To that end, I had Activo Yogurt wrap my Hyundai. Thank you. 
Fake it till you make it. So that was a little clip from the web sitcom called The Program. Uh, Double meaning there because it refers to this 12-step program for debtors. With you, Maria, playing the leader of the group. And then uh, we heard you give your vision of how you were going to realize all your dreams starting by uh, working part-time at a bead store. Yes, And and another guy named Mike describing his vision, uh, again, full of uh, wild fantasies. um, And can you explain for us what he says at the end? Uh, He says he has Activa yogurt wrap his Hyundai or something? Activa yogurt wrap your Hyundai. You you can have an advertisement, um, (laughs) wrap your car, and then your car, you don't have a car payment, from what I understand. I, I don't know if I'm getting the details on that correctly, but I know that... You can get a, a better deal on a car if you allow it to say something like, yeah, uh, advertise a, a local pizza place or sign-making shop or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there are various ways you can sell advertising space now in your personal life. You know? Yes, yes. Uh, I I don't know if it's happened yet, but I mean I've heard stories of people like you know selling parts of their body like to be tattooed with an advertising slogan or something like that. Oh my gosh, that is uh, wow. Okay. And you as a celebrity, I mean, you could do that probably. Oh yes, I will. Uh, I have not even thought about sponsorship. I am trying to. I I think I'm a loose cannon. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I really, I, I, did, I did some Target commercials, and I it, it was that. so stressful because I, I just worried that I was going to say something inappropriate, which I, of course, did. Oh, what did and, you say? What did you say? Well, I don't know. You know, just These saying, weren't live. These were taped, so whatever yeah, you said. Just, I mean, I think just, you know, just, just saying things where it's like I go, oh, if I say something about workers' rights, <laughs> uh Clothing manufacturer. Oh, whoa! I have really sold myself down the river, and, and that was troublesome because I think that's the thing about being comedian is you get to say whatever you want, and it was really fun to do those. But I think I I I was not the best uh, employee because uh, I think I, I I have a big mouth, big mouth. When you did the the special 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 in your um, living room uh, to an audience of basically two, your mom and your dad sitting on a couch opposite you, you at the microphone under the lights doing a stand up, you know, almost an hour of stand up, and you used you know the word f- and sh- uh, were you embarrassed to do that in front of your parents or was that no, no problem? They no, they don't care. They don't care. They're, no, they, I mean they I mean they care. They love they love me. They love. Almost everything that I do. Yeah, they were very sweet. My dad, my dad doesn't hear very well now, so uh, could have been he just didn't hear a lot of it. <laughs> um, I don't know if he had his hearing aid in, so that's good for him. And um, I did pay them uh, six hundred dollars, uh, so just to know that 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 was affecting their their performance. It was not a clean. You, you know, I imagine our, you paid their airfare from Duluth, right, to, to L.A.? Pay, yes. Well, they were already there visiting, but I topped it off. I made it <laughs> worth their while. You paid your parents to be part of your 
comedy yes. special? Oh, that's funny. That is hilarious. Yes. Oh, man. Well, they were both really sweet and likable, and it's funny to see them after all these years of seeing you imitate them. Um, yes. And it turns out you do. Yeah, you, you do a pretty darn good job, I got to say, of the voices. Thanks. Of the voices. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, they're well. They're um, I'm grateful. They've been so nice about it. I mean, I've had friends do impersonations of me, and I realize how how uh, disheartening it is. Oh no, really? <laughs> oh yeah, you just heard. I mean, not disheartening. I mean, it's like it's it's just like you go, oh god, I do sound like that. Like I hesitate a lot. I you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then I have a very high baby, childlike a uh, voice. Um, it's like, oh God, it's just embarrassing. It's a caricature of your of who you are, and you go, oh, I wish I sounded more like James Earl Jones. Or <laughs> is that who you'd pick? Yes, James Earl uh... Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, I thought you'd say Lauren McCall or something like that. <laughs> well, I think James Earl Jones has a he has staying power. I mean, Lauren McCall is serious, but she she wasn't she, she wasn't um, she didn't do the voiceover. Oh, I see. You want you, you really want to be the voice of God, though, sort of. Gosh, if if they were willing to look into an alternative casting. Go, oh, what if God's a little baby, a little baby lady? <laughs> but, but Maria, you've seen yourself on, or do you avoid watching yourself on TV, film, etc.? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I was there. I don't need to see it. Okay, so, so in terms of like knowing how you talk and your mannerisms, you're not like constantly exposed to them when you watch your own material. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know, I I think I know what I, yeah, I'm sure I know what I look like and sound like, uh, but I would, <laughs> I try not to look at it too much because it's, there's other things to do, like have relationships. <laughs> Sounds like there's a commotion there at Shea Bamford. Yes, yes, there is. My, um, my sweet pea has come in and we are, uh, making lunch. Oh, wow. Uh, so that, I know that's unprofessional. Well, no, that... no, no, it lends to the, the realism. It lets, lets me ask questions like, this is the guy you met on, um, petfinder.com? Uh, yes, we're, we've been together, it's been over a year and a half, and we just got engaged. Oh, wow. And uh, it's very exciting, and he's a delight, and um, we're having a fun time. We don't know what we're doing, um, but we are loving each other as best we both know how, and staring each other's eyeballs. And, oh, we went up to San Francisco to a premarital weekend, they had this. They have a, a premarital like class uh, you can take up. The, it's called what is it called? We got a certificate. Here it is. You're serious? Yes. Wow. We went up there. With, uh, I love a class. So we got the marriage bond, bond of commitment. Maria, Maria and Scott Cassidy have, in recognition of, they have created a bond of commitment. On the third day of May, 2014, at Fort Mason in San Francisco, and it's run by two um, a married psychologist couple. They're married, and they tell you how they stay married uh, through the. I think a lot of their teaching is through the 
writer John Gottman, who did the Love Lab, where you right, right, right. He's um, a famous uh, relationship psychologist uh, at uh, a university, right? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, he studied all kinds of relationships. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it was really. I mean, some of it seems like, oh, wouldn't that be? self-explanatory, like, oh, of course I wouldn't dismiss what my partner says, or the he has the four horsemen where you say, oh, I'm not going to, um, okay, now of course I can't remember them. But I know what you're oh, talking about. He, 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 he studied relationships that fail, marriages that fail, right? Yeah. And he's seen and some patterns. Four, yeah. yeah, what are the four things that will, uh, which I think it's when you, right, here's the book. I have the book. <laughs> Why don't I just look in the book? That's easy. I, I love a book, and um, I've never been married. I don't, you know, so it's like we can use all the help we can get. And it, I thought it was really great. It was great. It was very intense, though. I thought somehow it would have a lot more games. Like it would be more, um, I don't know. Role playing? <laughs> Hats or <laughs> treats. There were some treats. We did get to play this game where um, you guessed each other's love languages, which we totally got wrong. We both got our love languages wrong. What, which, what do you mean by that? Love languages, okay. Um, it's you like physical, you like gifts, you like acts of service, or you like words. Oh, I see. Ways of expressing your love. Expressing your love and it gets, yeah, ways of receiving it. That, uh-huh. That's, you know, maybe your partner, you, know, you can write them a billion poems, but they don't care because what they really love is uh, when you take out the garbage every day. Mm-hmm. You know, that is really what's meaningful to them. So, And so yeah. what is yours? I mean, now well, that you've raised the subject. apparently, see, this is the thing is that you say it's one thing, but then your partner goes, is it really that? Ah. It seems like you're always... I think mine's just acts of service. I love it when somebody does something for me. And I think my boyfriend is physical because he likes... But but he said words, that he likes words. So I've been... um, I got a book of stickers and I've been putting stickers on him. (laughs) Um, Motivational stickers... Sometimes they have words. Sometimes it's just an acute animal face that expresses what I feel. Um, but he seems very. Uh, I mean, I think we're doing good. We're doing good. Well, that's great. And by the way, I, I made a joke earlier. I said you met him on PetFinder dot com. No, you... Okie Cubes. Okie Cubes. Right, and I was actually uh, that joke was based on something else no, you said uh, at one that point. That is, yeah, no, that is from the material. From uh, an earlier album, and I appreciate that reference. Um, <laughs> but uh, we met on Okie Coops. It was a very positive experience. I've been on at least 50 internet dates in my lifetime. You mean dates that were arranged via the internet? Yes. Real dates. And yes. do they know before they meet you that you are going to be a well-known comedian uh, who they might have even seen perform or something? Or is that a uh, secret? I don't think anybody... The world is bigger huge. than I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not it's, everybody knows Maria Bamford. No. But some must. Nope. Uh some, but I don't think it worries people as you know as you know they go, oh, uh, oh you're on that thing, huh? Anyways, um, I'm a pharmacist, 
and um, let me tell you about myself. <laughs> well, that's a perfect um, match, right? Yeah, yeah, pharmacist. <laughs> well, my, um, yeah, my boyfriend he, or fiance, he he knew that I was a comedian, or you know, had seen me before. And I think there's, especially LA, there's there's lots of circles of entertainment, fame. And I think it wears off real quick if there is any. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay, I would. You know, it just. I can imagine, you know, having this date, and at some point, you know, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a comedian, you know. I've been on numerous TV shows. You may have seen me. Um, how that strikes people. I mean, is it exciting for them, or is it scary, or is it, you know, I, or I nothing? Just don't, I don't think it matters. doesn't matter, huh? No, I don't wow. think it matters. You just want somebody to be loved and loved by, and that I don't think it, it's any different, really, um, that once you get to know somebody, you're going to be weirded out by something, so why not be weirded out by that thing? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, whatever it is you're worried about. Um, yeah, I did, I, I, yeah I, I, at least I, I never had any uh, anything... Uh, where people were freaked out or anything. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Have you have you ever had anybody meet you and go, "Oh my God"? <laughs> no. First of all, yeah. I've been I've been uh, in a, a, a steady relationship for a very very long time, so the whole dating thing is not something. Uh, I'm not the guy to ask about that. Right, right. But even if people meet you, you know, they go, oh, I recognize your voice. Oh, you're from the radio. You know, it's once you spend 15 minutes with, any, with anybody alone and you run out of conversation, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Jennifer Aniston or Brad Pitt or, you know, it's like, oh. Everybody's human in the end, huh? Yeah, it's just, it's just you. <laughs> well... But people are so, you know, I mean, I know you're not like, you're not like a matinee idol, so this doesn't apply no, to you. No, But people are so um, in awe of celebrity now. They worship it. It seems like it more than ever. Uh, that I do wonder, you know, whether the actual famous people ever really, for, when they relate to other people, are they, are other people really treating them like a normal human being ever? Yeah. They I are? don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right that there is some... There is weirdness. I I don't know. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, I mean, a lot of your fans, uh, I get the impression, really love you. Um, they say it. Uh, love is a word that's often used. I love Maria Bamford. Um, does that feel like real love? Do you feel it? Oh. Well, I mean, we're not super close. <laughs> no, I know that. I just wondered whether that actually goes to the same place as the love that you get from a friend, you know, someone you yeah, know really well. No, no, I think it's that that the thing that really matters, even you know, beyond friends or beyond a hundred strangers or whatever, is that that I like myself. You know, that I I'm on board. That I think I'm the bee's knees and. It also it just feels much more um, uncertain if if a stranger says I love you because you go, well, that's in sort of a mascot way, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. oh you you represent something I see reflected of myself, but if I do something different, then I think 
you know, somebody else's feelings might change, you know? Like, I mean, same thing. I see a movie by Julia Roberts that I love. I go, I love Julia Roberts. She is so great. She is really doing... Then I see one that I'm not that on board with, and then I go, oh, Julia Roberts. (laughs) It's like, well, she hasn't changed. You know, I would hope that she could give a shit about what I have to say. (laughs) I think... That kind of love is, it's like uh, sunshine. It's nice when it's there, but (laughs) I live in an emotional Portland. Well, Maria, I really appreciate the time. I have to say, I have loved your work. That's genuine. Um, And uh, (laughs) really, really nice to hear how well you're doing and, and how things are going so well for both your career and your private life. Thank you very much. And if I do get my car wrapped, it's going to be for Divil Proax, <laughs> uh, which is a Depakote generic, and uh, it has frankly saved my life. So uh, if anybody wants to sponsor me from the pharmaceutical industry, I'm interested. Oh, and that is a, is that an antidepressant? Uh, no, it's a mood stabilizer, which is also used for people with um, seizures. It was used as a seizure medication, but then they found it also worked with people with manic depression. Uh, so, and the name, anyways, of, the name of it again is? Divil Proex, D-I-V-A-L-P-R-O-E-X. Extended release is what I'm going to stand up for. Stand, extended release. <laughs> okay, Maria, I know you've got to go, so I'm going to read all the side effects after um, you say goodbye. Yes. Oh, no, and there are plenty. I have a tremor right now. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Robert, for your time. Thank you, Maria. Okay, okay. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Comedian, actor, but most of all, nice lady, Maria Bamford. She'll be performing in San Francisco uh, this coming week, Tuesday, October 28th, and Wednesday, October 29th at Cobb's Comedy Club. Her special, special, special performed in her living room, is now available on Netflix and iTunes. And you can learn more about her, her gigs, her recordings, etc. at mariabamford.com. This has been the 7th Avenue Project. You can learn more about us at our website, 7thAvenueProject.com. And you can listen to the show via SoundCloud, iTunes, the Stitcher radio app, TuneIn.com, and lots of other apps and websites and channels that I don't even know about. I'm Robert Polly. I'll be back next week. Side effects of Dibble Proex may include black tarry stools, bleeding gums, bloating or swelling of the face, arms, hands, lower legs, or feet, crying, delusions, dementia, depersonalization, diarrhea, difficult or labored breathing, dysphoria, euphoria, fever or chills, headache, joint pain, loss of appetite, nausea, nervousness, painful or difficult urination, paranoia, pinpoint red spots on the skin, rapid weight gain, runny nose, shakiness in the arms, legs, hands, or feet, sleepiness or unusual drowsiness, sore throat, sweating, tightness in the chest, abnormal dreams, absence of or decrease in body movement, anxiety, bloody nose, blurred vision, bruising, burning, crawling, itching, numbness, prickling, chest pain, chills, cloudy urine, clumsiness or unsteadiness, cold sweats, constipation, difficulty with moving, dizziness, faintness or lightheadedness, excessive muscle tone, fast, irregular pounding, erasing heartbeat or pulse, heavy non-menstrual vaginal bleeding, puffing of the cheeks, rapid or worm-like movements of the tongue, rapid weight gain, restlessness, seeing, hearing, or feeling things that are not there, slurred speech, small red or purple spots on the skin, trouble with speaking, twitching, uncontrolled chewing movements, vomiting of blood or material that looks like coffee grounds, yellow eyes or skin.